everyone, I'm Ari, and today Rachel unfortunately can't be with us, so I'll be hosting The Mirror Writer alone. This week we're on episode 177 and we're asking our guest, how do you approach writing horror? Before we dive into the topic, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening if you haven't already, and if you enjoy the show, please share it with friends and feel free to write a review. Now, please help us welcome our guest, A.S. McDermott, onto the show. Thank you so much for joining us. It is really great to have you on the podcast. Great to be here. My, my first one, so I feel like I've finally made it as a writer. <laughs> <laughs> it is great. I love it when people are first, the first podcast is ours. It's awesome. Before I begin, would you please tell everyone why this topic is important to you? So I've been a, a horror fan from a very young age. Um, I grew up in England in the, the 80s, so I, I watched lots of video nasties when I was you know too young Evil Dead and all those kind of movies and then started reading uh, Stephen King books when I was around 10 so it's probably the, the first kind of genre I fell in love with and I, I kind of alternate between sci-fi and horror my favorite genre but uh, I think horror may may just edge edge it out I can't believe you read Stephen King books at 10 yeah that's that oh no I, I have to be I'm, I'm not a big horror fan i i do like watching certain horror movies but i usually get my partner to watch them first and then he can tell me if it's too much for me and then yeah. i will i will watch them because i am one of those that if i watch it it'll be like in my head same with reading the books it's like i will sometimes be like it might be a bit too much i'll have to read it on a sunny day you know none of this <laughs> reading at night time way too much way too much Let's dive right into this topic because I actually do want to know more about writing horror because I've never tried writing horror. So what are the characteristics of a horror story? So I think the most important characteristics to me is having like, relatable characters because I feel like if you don't relate to the characters, it's hard to feel, you know, their, their fear and actually you know, worry about what's going to happen to them. So I think, you know, even more than some other genres, horror, it's very important that characters are, you know, don't necessarily have to be likable, but at least relatable so you can understand them and, and they're not you know doing you know stupid things like going down in the basement <laughs> to investigate strange noises at night because that kind of pulls you out of the story because you think why are they doing that <laughs> so having you know characters that you know act like real people and are relatable i think is very important and then you know horror needs a, a good setting it you know, doesn't always have to be gothic and spooky you know it can be you know everyday suburbia or you know a council flat or wherever you want to set it but it needs to be you know a memorable setting and then uh, i think the other important characteristic of a horror story is like building a sense of dread i, I like you know the kind of the slow burn stories where the, the sense of dread slowly builds up you know something's not quite right but then you know as the story goes on the horror becomes more to the, the forefront and i like the way that you can uh, go from you know normal world and slowly make things uh, creepy and supernatural and i think uh, horror you know it's just it's just a lot of fun to to read and, and write and really lets you focus on the story and the characters and you know you don't necessarily have to worry about the themes you know you can there can be themes in there you know about real life stuff but it's kind of main just having fun with it i have to say the fact that you said about like relatable characters i find that quite different for horror movies not all horror movies but i know there's that kind of with horror movies you often have like a group of people who they almost make them annoying so that you're like yeah. ah, if you die it doesn't bother me whereas i i think i've seen that with like the odd book that my my, cause my partner likes reading horror where there's there is more of a kind of a connection with at least the protagonist even if the yeah. people around them are like dropping like flies there is that kind of you still want some character you can kind of feel that fear through rather than when you watch a movie and literally you just want everyone to go because you're tired of them so that's actually interesting how it's different with the book than a movie because i think yeah i think they always try and make the characters really obnoxious yeah because you have a lot of movies people go just to watch the people get killed in a nasty <laughs> way so they don't necessarily care <laughs> if they like the characters or not 
give me one second because you said something else and I wanted to make a point of it and I've already forgotten what it was. I did like that what you said about like the slow build because obviously I'm I'm so used to you know you got the slow burn romance and things like that and slow burn with thrillers where you're like not sure what's going on and as it builds I never really thought about that with horror because you kind of again I'm always bringing things back to movies which is very bad <laughs> but I think I always have this idea that a horror horror story is straight away into like the either the gory or the you know terror 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 straight in your face and the idea of this kind of like slow build. And there is one book I did read, and it's just made me think, I think that was a little bit like that. It was James Herbert's The Rats. Oh, yeah, I read it. And I read that in the daytime, in summer, and it so freaked me out that when I got up off the bed, I knocked a coat hanger and it brushed against my leg, and I screamed and leapt on the bed because I thought it was a rat. I actually like rats. I have no issue with rats. But that book had sort of built up this strange sensation throughout the story that it actually did freak me out that there was some sort of weird giant rat in the room which i obviously knew was not a case so yeah i like the idea of a slow burn horror is that is that quite common do you think in the horror genre it seems less common now seems like um like in the 70s and 80s a lot of horror movies and books had that kind of slow burn where they took you know everyday setting and then slowly introduced you know the supernatural thing and stuff like you know the exorcist and uh a lot of Stephen King books where it starts out in an everyday setting and then you know, slowly builds that sense of dread. And it seems like these days, people, yeah, like you said, like to go more for the, the scares and the horror up front to try and grab people. Um, but I, th- I think both work. I think, you know, you can have a story that is, is scary and grabs you right from the start, or you can have, you know, the, the, the more slow-paced ones. And I, I prefer the kind of slow-paced ones, but I think both are, you know, valid approaches to horror. Yeah, that's a good point, because obviously every reader is different. And obviously there will be someone who's like, oh, I'm getting bored. Come on, where's all the jump scares? Whereas somebody else, it's like they want that kind of almost like a terror building slowly and slowly. It gets so much worse than constant horror. So, hmm, yeah, it's actually making me quite nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what is the biggest hurdle for writing horror? So I think that goes back to what I was saying about the pacing, where I think some people think because it's a horror story, they have to have, you know, a scare every couple of pages something gory or frightening happening to grab the reader i don't think you always need that like um some of your stories are you know based on the scares and the jump scares like you said and that approach is, is perfectly valid but i think some horror stories don't necessarily have to be scary like interview the vampire is one i can I think of where it's not really a scary story in a traditional sense because you're identifying with the you know the vampires instead of the, the humans so it's not you know like a, a traditional scary story but it it really examines the characters, I think. And that's one of the uh, best things about horror, I think, is that you can take like really kind of dark and disturbing stories. Like Interview the Vampire is basically you know, about two serial killers who recruit a young girl into their, their lifestyle, which if you took out the supernatural elements, it would be, you know, very dark and disturbing. A lot of people, you know, wouldn't want to read that. But you add the, the vampires in it and people are like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's a, that's a fun story. So I think that's one thing I'd, I'd say when writing horror is you can... Uh, don't always go for the scare you know sometimes it can be about building the characters and you know looking at you know real life in a, in a different way adding a supernatural element to real life looking at things from a different perspective so i'd say yeah uh, that's a key thing to remember don't don't always go for the jump scare every <laughs> every second that's actually an interesting point when you said like almost like a realistic thing and then you could just put in like so- supernatural elements and it made me realize a lot of people like true crime 
myself included it's just a thing we we love reading about true crime and everything like right. that. and some of that is very dark and the themes are quite intense and a lot of it isn't aggressive or even violent or whatever this just the way that the true crime is told so you think that's actually an interesting way of of doing it with writing horror because there is already unfortunately with our world so much horrible things out there there's quite a lot of inspiration you can actually draw from real life and then as you said if you wanted to you could add in these more supernaturally ghosty elements because let's be honest we always really like it when there's more of a supernatural twist personally no matter how much people like true crime if you're watching a real horror movie or you're reading a real horror book supernatural works because there's that sense of it's not real it's very much not real whereas if you were reading a book and it was very much like set with normal people and based on a true story it's like there's something a bit more icky about that knowing that it could happen yeah because yeah i like true crime too but yeah when you mean true crime it's kind of a little more depressing because you think oh this actually happened and there are people like that out there whereas when you're in the supernatural elements you're kind of a little more removed from it so it's not yeah quite as disturbing (laughs) (laughs) that's it though being removed from it i think that's why it does make it easier. The the people I know who who enjoy a lot of like horror reading and horror movies are usually people who don't enjoy true crime as much because exactly like you said, it's a lot more depressing knowing that that has actually happened. Whereas things like all the all the horror movies have gone straight out of my head right now. Um, Scream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, oh God, I hate that one. <laughs> but yeah, like all the ones that have got a little bit more unusualness to them, it just takes that edge off. So I actually think that's a really good idea if, you, if people are interested in writing horror to think on that sense of just taking it out of the realism because it's still really scary. You don't always need the, the level of realism of like serial killer. You can have the demons and vampires and werewolves and ghosts and things like that and some of the best horror movies actually have things like that i believe i think most of them are are more supernatural aren't they the ones that do really well in the books i said stephen king's books still known as some of the best horrors and most of his are a little bit weird just out of curiosity what is your favorite horror book maybe salem's lot by stephen king because like i said that's a good example of that slow burn i like where it's you know everyday town and then i think the vampires don't appear until like 100 pages or more into that book so (laughs) i just like that that kind of uh (laughs) building especially world building where you you know you basically learning about the characters in the town in Mm. the first 100 or so pages and then the supernatural elements come in that's a really interesting way of approaching a horror story where it's not someone going to a a gothic castle and meeting a vampire right away it's you know them slowly (laughs) infiltrating the real world yeah i also like that because as you said because of the world building you get at the beginning it does make you connect with the characters more and then you do start to care about them because you're seeing them doing their daily stuff and you're seeing their relationships and it's kind of like oh i hope you're not gonna die <laughs> but speaking of obviously it's settings and like vampire castles and everything so how do you build a good horror setting I think the most important thing is to choose a, a setting that fits the story. So in whatever kind of horror you're going for, if you want a you know, more realistic horror, obviously you want to set it in an everyday world. If, if you want to go for the more gothic and supernatural, then you choose a more you know remote kind of spooky setting. I think whatever setting you choose needs to be somewhere that you, you know and understand, especially with, with movies. We see it in books too, where sometimes a writer will think, oh, I'm going to set this story somewhere I've never been. And you can tell from the writing that they don't <laughs> actually know anything about that setting. Like we see that a lot, you know, with 
with um, some American stories where they're you know set in you know Ireland or England, and you can tell they've never been there from the, the way they describe the setting. I think there was one. Uh, I think it was a Stephen King adaptation. It was like a TV show. It was supposed to be set in uh, London, but they filmed it in like Australia, and you can tell you know, just from the, the sunlight, there's no way that story is taking place in in England. <laughs> it's not raining or anything. It looks too clean. <laughs> so I think whatever setting you choose, it's good if you've actually been there or at least researched it enough so that you know enough about that setting to describe it believably. That is a good point. I mean, I said, yeah, it's always weird when they show anything where it's England and it's like, so even even on the days we do have sun, it's like, it's never that bright. People aren't wearing t-shirts. We're still wearing jumpers and cardigans even in the sun. With the horror settings, obviously you said thinking about like where people are basing their, their stories and you know, if you can't go and visit, definitely research. But I've noticed with a few of the st- of horror stories, you often get like in a very limited place, like a very yeah. small place. It's not it's not the same as like fantasy where they travel. Everything's quite small. And obviously there are certain writers who like to stay in the same town. <laughs> Do you think that works well for that genre and why? I think it does. And yeah, I think the, the more limited you make the location, the scarier usually it makes it. There's nowhere the characters can go, especially if it's you know a story where they're like trapped in Antarctica or somewhere <laughs> like the thing. You know those kind of movies. The, the limited location really adds to the dread and the, and the fear. So I think you can do a horror story on kind of a, a epic scale where it's zombies taking over the whole country or whatever. But I think my my favorite ones are kind of the yeah, the more limited ones where you have a group of characters trapped in not necessarily trapped but they're in they're in one place and it's hard for them to to leave some some creature or something the killer is hunting them you know down and and you know, there's less places they can hide and it's, it's good if you give an explanation of why they're trapped there because a lot of times you'll be reading a story or watching a movie like why don't they just leave so it's, it's good if you can come up with a limited location and then also explain why you know they can't leave that that limited location and that that adds a lot to the suspense and the, the scares that reminds me of, I don't think it was a movie, I think it was like a TV series, but it was only like five episodes. I don't know if this is what I'm trying to remember. I think it was called like The Storm of the Century. Oh, yeah. It might have right. been, was that a Stephen King one? Or an yeah, adaptation? I like that because that was exactly what you said. It's like it was tucked, it was a, mostly about the whole town, but then it was the storm is what cut them off from everything. Yeah. And thinking about that, I noticed something again from my horror movies that I watch because I don't read many books. You often find with horror movies, it is what you just said, like a group of people. And from what I've noticed, there's not always like the most main character. You know, like you'll read certain books or watch certain movies and there's a very, very distinctive protagonist with several secondary characters around them. From what I've seen with horror movies, and I would like to know about the books as well, it seems to be that there's usually a group of people and it can even be like a large group of people from the town where you're kind of seeing lots of different things. It doesn't seem to be as intense with the with the protagonist. It's almost like, yes, they are the protagonist, but there's so many other plots and issues going on with all the other characters that they all become almost like main characters. Is that yeah. kind of typical in a horror book? I, I think it is. And I think one of the reasons for that, not focusing on just one main protagonist is it makes it harder to kind of guess who's going to survive because if you have you know one person who's obviously the the star of the story you think oh well, they're not going to die because they're the, the main character so we only have to worry about the other characters dying whereas if everyone's kind of equal at the beginning of the story it makes it harder to guess oh who's going to survive is this person actually the main character or are they just going to get killed halfway through the story so i think yeah that's one thing that definitely works well the horror is kind of playing around with who the main protagonist is because there's quite a few you know famous horror stories like psycho the one where they actually kill off the main character who you think is the main character early on and then you're, you're not sure who you're actually following the story so i think that that's putting the the reader or the the viewer if it's a movie you know kind of off balance and 
wondering who who's going to make it to the end is yeah definitely a very effective thing that's a really good point i actually watched psycho again recently and it always thrills me that they just like yeah. you follow her right at the beginning and obviously they always say you know bring in the protagonist early and then she's gone and it's like oh okay that's a yeah. that's a little bit strange but yeah like you said how there's very few red shirts in horror as you said you you want people to like oh i wonder are they gonna survive are they gonna survive whereas in certain movies you can or books you can tell it's like you're a red shirt you're you're definitely gonna go first you've only been brought in and just been named so you can die in the first (laughs) battle and no one's gonna cry but at least then there's been a death because let's be honest you have to kill off characters to make anything interesting so so that's actually a really good point although it does remind me of was it cabin in the woods yeah where they brought everybody and it was literally like they were gonna die in a certain order but even that, I think that threw a bit of a curveball by, I'm going to put spoilers, by bringing somebody back when they thought they'd died. Yeah, I'm kind of playing with the, the tropes of horror. I keep throwing extra questions at you, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> it reminds me of stuff <laughs> I forgot to mention earlier. <laughs> Speaking of horror books, is there an average sort of size for horror writing? Because, you know, like certain things like contemporary romance is usually quite a shorter book than, say, yeah. your epic fantasies. And I would have always assumed that horror was quite a lot shorter, just the, just because of the type of genre. But then, obviously, you look at some of the sizes of the books that Stephen King writes, and yeah, they're a lot bigger. So what are your thoughts on book size yeah he's kind of an outlier because you have something like it where the, you know <laughs> the bloody thing is a thousand pages long <laughs> but that's not that's not typical for for horror i think most horror stories probably work best in the like 200 400 page range where they're you know long enough for you to get involved in the, the characters in the story but not you know kind of dragging it out so i think there, there, there are a few writers who can make it work on a this more kind of a more epic horror story taking place over you know several years and obviously the the longer length is, is justified but i think most horror works better a shorter level do you think horror can be done as a series because most of the horror books i'm aware of are standalone stories or they're things like like the point horror collection where it's yeah. very individual stories but they're all under this umbrella of point horror do you think they have to mostly be that or it is it possible to kind of create like a series? I have no idea if there are already like loads of horror series and I'm just making it really obvious that I don't read horror. It seems like the only real horror series that are successful are like young adult books. There's quite a few of those that have a horror series, but with the more adult horror fiction, I think you really see a lot of series in horror. Like they'll they'll reference earlier books like Stephen King does that a lot where he'll bring back characters from other books and reference things, but they're not, you know, direct sequels. So with movies, obviously, they, they do a lot of series of horror, but it didn't seem to happen with books so much. I don't know why that is. Maybe because a lot of people, when they're writing a horror story, they throw everything they can think of into it and really you know, make the characters go through some shit. So they, they don't have a lot of ideas for a sequel. <laughs> or, you yeah. know, if, everybody, if everybody dies at the end, it also <laughs> makes it hard to do a sequel as well. I suppose if you brought in a sequel and the main character who, who was the one that survived was in that one and then they've got a, new, a lot of new friends and they start dying, it's like, you feel like the, the police are being involved going like, are you sure there's ghosts? It's like, there's an awful lot of people dying just around you. Uh, it comes like, like die hard or something. Like, how can the same shit keep happening to the same guy? Exactly. I'd, I'd actually be interested to see see that, um, like a, a series of horror, either similar to like, um, what is that called? Oh my gosh, what is it called? Not like a series arc, but like, Sherlock Holmes, where each one is a case, but it's the same characters. I'd be interested to see if someone did something like that with more not YA, because I get a bit tired of reading YA. Something a bit different from YA. 
I'd be interested to see that, to see if that was something that would do well. Yeah, because I've actually been thinking about writing like a vampire series where it's not necessarily the same characters in each book, but it takes place in the same world and there's like a 10-year gap between each book. So it kind of examines, you know, different time periods of this kind of vampire mythology. I think that would be something interesting to do. Not not necessarily a sequel, but, you know, each book kind of adds to the the mythology of this world. That's actually really cool because obviously most people who write vampire fiction because i write vampire fiction we do stick to like a specific time frame and we we sort of follow the characters you may get the odd spin-off where you go back to their origins but most most vampire fiction does sort of stick to one area so the idea of having books that that span decades or centuries would be really interesting because you'd get used to the characters but then you'd also have a whole new world building for different locations or different time periods so you get to watch them grow and change and develop over a really long time. Oh, that's a really good... Get to writing that. I would yeah, read I, that. That is really cool. That. <laughs> I've already kind of, first story would be like taking place in the, the swinging 60s in London. Oh, yeah, be be interesting location for a, a vampire story. Yeah, but I haven't <laughs> really planned it out much beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> be a lot of research. But that would be really good, though, because you can also yeah. get like, you know, depending on what happens, you know, they could be on boats traveling to other places to get away from England. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, seriously, I, I would definitely be into reading something like that even with all the research you'd have to do. <laughs> Good excuse for going around places. Yeah. You have to go to these places for research. Definitely. It does make me wonder if people who write horror, like with ghost stories, do they actually go around to haunted places and houses and castles to get the essence of it, or do they just not bother? I know, but if I was going to write a haunted house story, I'd want to visit a, a real, or, you know, somewhere that's rumoured to be haunted just to get a kind of feel for the place. So that would definitely be part of my research. <laughs> put down these expenses i had to go to this castle this haunted tour i had to yeah. it was important to... Spend, the, spend the night but <laughs> at least visit <laughs> during oh the day. yeah yeah no i i uh i've been on one ghost tour and it was at night but it was it was like late it was in winter so it was it was always going to be dark i think it was like seven or eight o'clock and yeah you know you got mulled wine and then they took you around this really old castle and there was this eerie feeling i mean thankfully i didn't see anything but there was like, certain rooms you were just like i don't want to stay in here this is <laughs> this isn't good but i the idea of staying overnight yeah, I have too much of an imagination. It would be every creak, every, you know, it, I could watch somebody close the door and be like, what was that? What is that? So, no, no. Okay, with that, <laughs> what advice do you have for writers wanting to write horror? Because I'll be honest, I rarely see any information or advice for people wanting to write horror. Yeah, there isn't a lot out there. I think the first step is just to read a lot of horror stories and watch a lot of horror movies just to get a feel for the genre. And like I said, I, I like horror movies from like the 70s and 80s because uh, they're kind of all about the, the concept and having fun with it. So that's why, you know, a lot of these movies have been remade now because they have such interesting storylines where, you know, it immediately grabs you. And then, you know, some of them are a little cheesy, obviously, but they're, they're, they're fun. And I think depending on what kind of horror you want to write, obviously there's somebody who want to write the, the fun kind of silly gory stories and there's some people who want to write really realistic you know, disturbing horror so whatever genre of horror you want to write i would say you know read and, and watch a lot of her stuff in that genre first to get a feel for it and you can see you know what's been done and kind of think of your own spin on it because one of the most important things when you write horror is don't just retread what other people have done take you can take a, a familiar concept a slasher story or you know vampires or whatever and just tweak it a little make it your own and that way you know it stands out among the crowd because there's so many horror stories out there uh, i've been, been reading a, a 
a book actually it's like an encyclopedia of horror fiction from like the 70s through the 90s and so many books you know a lot of them are out of print obviously so they're hard to find but um i like going to like um secondhand bookstores and just picking up horror fiction old paperbacks and just you know reading them and you know, getting ideas because you, you find some real kind of uh, gems among these these forgotten horror paperbacks so obviously read a lot and they you know, write a lot and then um when you're uh, when you're writing horror find it good to like just go kind of all out with your first draft throw in all the the gore and all the kind of wild crazy stuff you can think of just you know make it make it as over the top as you want and then when you get to rewrite then you can you know dial it back a little if you find out that you went way too far but yeah just uh you know it's it's definitely a genre where you can have a lot of fun with both you know researching it and then writing it and uh just think of a common story and then you put a spin on it so you know instead of a vampire hunter hunting vampires it's a vampire you know hunting the the people trying to hunt him and just kind of reverse what kind of stories we've seen before just put a sort of fresh spin on it that always reminded me of Buffy the Vampire Slayer I know it's not exactly horror but I remember the concept came because I think it was like the blonde girl always dies first the screaming oh my god can't protect myself and then it was like well what if she was actually able you know the one specifically designed to hunt vampires and I think that's probably why it was so popular because it was this complete shift to what it is obviously now they're all like that so it's kind of overdone but but yeah here's a quick question with romance you often get the happily ever after it's it's kind of expected yeah. do you think that with horror it's expected that everybody dies or it's like spoiler the vampire not the vampire one the zombie one the dawn of the dead where it's like yeah. everybody dies or everyone's definitely about to die kind of thing is that what you expect with horror or, or is it okay to actually have people survive at the end and it'd be a little bit happier it's hard to think of many horror stories that have a happy ending. It seems like they're either, you know, really downbeat or just kind of ambiguous where you're not sure if the characters are going to survive or not. And I think that probably works best for horror. I'm trying to think of a horror story that has a happy ending. I guess some of the more comedic horror movies, maybe like Zombieland and stuff like that, <laughs> have, have a happy ending. But I think if you're, if you're doing a serious horror story, then yeah, usually a either downbeat or ambiguous ending seems to work best. I can see that because it's kind of, it is one of those things where the genre kind of dictates that, as you said, either most people have to be dead and then the the people who survive are traumatized and you can see that they're traumatized or there's that sense of like, wow, did they actually get out of that or if they got trapped further in and they didn't realize. I like the idea of writing horror. I think I'd just creep myself out though. (laughs) I would probably be like, oh, I don't want to kill that person. I don't want to kill that person. How do you go about killing people off in horror? Because I think when you write, I was going to say normal books, that's not fair to horror. When you write other genres, obviously you you usually have to kill off the odd character here and there, unless it's a romance where you don't often do that. But with horror, the likelihood is there's going to be a bigger body count, in which case it's like, that must be quite difficult because you're kind of connected to your your characters as you're writing them. But then you've got to be like, okay, who's going to die today? You, then you, then you. That's a little intense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You you can get attached to some of your characters and not want to kill them off. I've I've definitely had stories where I intended to kill someone off and ended up not because I didn't <laughs> want to die. And and the reverse happens as well. You, you think a character's going to make it to the end, and then you're like, oh, I'm tired of this character. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to kill him off. <laughs> 
And I think uh, yeah. what works well when you're writing those scenes is you know putting yourself in the the mind of the the killer or the monster or whoever's finishing off those characters because I think that makes the story more effective if you can actually put yourself in the the villain's shoes as well. And that's one thing going back to Stephen King, he's very good at getting in the mind of his uh, villains, so they're not just you know one-dimensional characters. You actually understand, you know, even though you don't agree with what they're doing, you understand why they're doing it. And I think that's a good approach to horror. I mean, there are some movies where the, the Friday the Thirteenth where you don't really care about the motivations of the Jason or whoever you just want to see him kill people but I think if you're going for a more psychological kind of horror then it's good to yeah put yourself in the head of the villain and then you can imagine why they're killing people and you know whatever they're doing uh, there's a reason for it it's not just a body count basically yeah that's true I have to say with it was something you said at the beginning of the podcast and you were saying how like when you're writing horror it's kind of important to make it more believable because we've all seen those horror movies if you watch horror and it's like why did you just run outside you know you managed to knock the serial killer or the monster out and instead of taking away their gun yeah they never take away their weapon you're just like no it's just i'll just run out without shoes on into the night i won't go towards the street and the police station i'm just going to run into the woods where they came from and just flail around screaming and i have to admit every time i watch a movie i'm always like why did they do that why did they do that and i assume with when you're writing a book it's better to not do that yeah especially if if you're getting into the character's thoughts and obviously you need to come up with a logical reason why they're you know doing what they're doing you know if 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 you explain that they're the kind of person who always panics then it makes a little more sense that they might make a bad decision when they've been chased by a by a killer but i think you know if you're gonna have characters act stupid in a horror story at least you know get into their head and explain why they're acting that way and that's one thing you obviously do better in a story and in a movie you can't really explain why a character is doing something so you just assume oh they're just clueless <laughs> they don't know what they're doing i have to admit that was the one thing i hated with scream i think it was neve campbell's character every time she got attacked she seemed to be able to like knock them out or put them on their ass and then the knives would fall out of their hands and instead of grabbing it, even if she didn't want to attack the attacker but she never grabbed it and ran she would just yeah. leave it next to their hand she didn't hit them again she didn't tie them up she didn't even run out and close the door and lock it she would just run all the doors open and you're just like seriously seriously you just left the knife there and oh look he's back again every time and it would would really stress me out so i can imagine if you're reading a book reading the characters doing this and it's like i don't get why you're doing that why would you be that stupid yeah and and you don't need to do that for the horror to work because i think it works really well as if the character actually does do the right things and then they still you know get killed or wounded or whatever then that makes it scary because you're thinking oh they acted the way they should have in that situation they (laughs) were logical and you know they didn't panic but then they still got stabbed or whatever (laughs) so that that makes it scary to think oh anybody can die because it's not just the people who are (laughs) running up the stairs when the killer (laughs) the killer's waiting for them that's actually a really good point yeah because again i've watched some movies i think the one i liked the most was as above so below and they end up in the catacombs in france and then it's very supernatural. So they, they go somewhere they're not meant to go, but they're going there for a reason and they get through. And then it's where they where they want to go back. It's blocked up suddenly. So they can't help but go forwards. And every time they do steps, they're doing almost always the right thing. They've got like equipment, they're careful and all this, and things just keep happening. And it makes it a better story rather than sitting there going, why did you do that? Why did you come into, you know, why did you go up the mountain without equipment and snowshoes or anything? There's always this kind of sense of annoyance with it and I suppose some horror might be that they want they want you to get annoyed with the characters so that then you're like come on die but I have to admit I can imagine 
the same is with books, where if the characters are doing more logical things or if literally they've only got three options and they're all bad, but they pick the less bad one. Yeah. And you think, yeah, I would probably have picked that. And then something happens. I can imagine that being a much more impactful thing for the reader. <laughs> To the point where you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to go out to the cabin <laughs> in the woods anymore. <laughs> one more quick question. Who are your favourite horror writers? If you had to pick like one or two, who do you say is the best one to sort of read if you're if you're new to horror and you want to kind yeah. of get a feel for it? And definitely Stephen King. And then I'd say if you, if you want to write more kind of character-based horror, then someone like Anne Rice, Vampire Chronicles books. And then um, I'd say even Neil Gaiman, he, he writes some stuff that's kind of not necessarily straight on horror, but kind of creepy. So if you want to write kind of everyday horror, then Neil Gaiman's a good, a good author to, to read as well. Oh, that's good. That's good. I have to admit, I've not read much of Stephen King. Um, what did I? I can't remember. I read Rolls Matter, the first, the first book I read, and I didn't like it. And then I read, I can't remember what else it was. It was something else I didn't like. And I, I kind of got it put me off and then I ended up watching Salem's Lot, which was terrifying, and The Shining, which stressed me out. And then I realised I probably wouldn't want to read any of his books, The you know, the bigger, more like Misery or The Shining, because I bet they're yeah. quite intense. Definitely, um, yeah. His earlier stuff is, is more intense. <laughs> yeah. I, those ones especially, because just the movies were, I know obviously movies are done differently, but they were so poignant at times and the really it really built it up. And that was just a visual. And when you're reading a book and it's in your head, it's so much more intense. <laughs> Okay, with that said, we'll probably end this podcast. So it has been absolutely great having you on the show. Before you go, would you like to share some stuff with our listeners? You know, a bit of shameless pimping? <laughs> so yeah, I'm working on a few books right now. Um, actually working on a sequel to the, the first novel I published, Supernormal, which isn't isn't a horror. <laughs> it's a young adult superhero. But uh, but once I finish that, I'm probably going to work on some horror stories that, that vampire one I was talking about. I'd like to start working on that soon. And then also got an idea for a post-apocalyptic werewolf story. Uh, that, that could work. As a, as a movie or a, or a book I haven't quite decided yet because I alright screenplays too so I kind of whenever I think of an idea I think would, would this work better as a movie or a book and sometimes I write it you know both a book and a, and a screenplay just to see which works best but uh, so you know some some stories work horror stories work better you know in the visual medium like movie and some work better in you know in book form so that's kind of one thing I'm always thinking of when I, I, have, I have like tons of horror ideas that I'll probably never get around to, to writing them all but uh, those are the, the two I'm hoping to work on soon werewolves and vampires two of my favorites <laughs> have you ever thought of doing like anthologies of horror stories and all yeah actually power? my first horror stories that got published were in an anthology called um demonic visions and that was that was really fun that was my first real experience of being published they did like six volumes so i had a, a story in pretty much every volume eventually if, if i have enough uh, short horror stories i'd like to collect them you know in one volume mm. and put it out there just so i can have all those all those stories in, in one book i think that would be fun that would be good because I, I think i think horror works really well for anthologies especially if it's like a full collection of your own work i can see that being really good and i have to say post-apocalyptic werewolf i would also be very interested in that that is something i would definitely read because i like post-apocalyptic yeah. i like werewolves so yeah thinking of something <laughs> like oh, what was the movie the monsters that could they'd be quiet all the time because the monsters had like super hearing Oh, was that the quiet place? Quiet place, yeah. I was thinking kind of like a quiet place, but with werewolves, basically. <laughs> the Ooh, kind like of <laughs> kind of uh, story I'd be going for. Oh yeah, definitely. Seriously, this is the sort of stuff I I, I love to read, and it's it's you know we're getting sparkly vampires, but it's getting very dull. So dull. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so. that's the main reason that reason I want to write a lot of these stories because I don't see anyone else writing them right now. So I'm like, 
I guess I'll have to write it myself. Yeah, it, it does get a little bit tiresome where like, it's like, we've got the vampires, we've got the werewolves, we've got like demons, but they're just acting like regular people. I'm not saying they have to be bloodthirsty all the time. As again, as someone who writes vampire fiction, mine aren't always bloodthirsty, but you know what? They do kill people because that's what they're supposed to do. So it's a little bit stressful when it's just like, you know, they're all going to high school and sparkling. Yeah. <laughs> just can't, I, can't, I can't not take the piss out of that. Just can't. <laughs> Okay, thanks again for joining us on the podcast and I will make sure to put all of your links in the description for below. So obviously anyone wants to go and see your work or see what you do, there'll be links on that. In the meantime, we're going to turn it over to you guys. Do you read or write horror or would you like to? Let us know your answers in the comments below so we can chat. And remember, we release new episodes every Wednesday. Next week, we're discussing the characteristics of middle grade books. To ensure you don't miss it, hit the subscribe button on your way out. As always, thanks for listening to the Mary Writer Podcast. We'll see you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Sticky Notes. Our walls are covered. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.